So let's see, let's see who you picked in the upset game. So, so just for a little context for our listeners, I decided to invent invent a, like a fantasy tennis game that's kind of like about filling out the draw, but instead of actually being about filling out the draw, it, the whole point of it is to try and pick upsets, like pick instances in the draw where like a higher seated player will get eliminated from the tournament unexpectedly instead looking for those moments of drama like trying to think about like when does the really interesting shit happen the basic rule is you just pick five upsets per draw you get one point for every upset successfully picked multiplied by the number of the round and there's an exception to like what defines an upset an upset you always have to pick two players but the exception is that you could pick somebody to go to the quarters or better if they're unseated and you get points for that um, I just finished my picks. Nice okay. work on the on the not spoiling the picks. Yeah, I'm curious if we picked any of the same picks. Mm, it doesn't look like it. Oh, you went for Corner over Raducanu. I was thinking of that. Yeah. But I, uh, RBA Kyrgios over RBA. That was a good one. I, I didn't go deep on Kyrgios. Yeah, I mean, I think that's as far as I decided I would go with him. Like. Mm. So, yeah, so I picked Curious to beat Roberto Batista, Batista Agu in the third round. And, um, yeah, I, I have Curious losing to Medvedev in the fourth. I don't understand quite the uproar about putting Curious on center court. Like, what, what, I didn't really know there was an uproar about it. Did he, did he take the spot from somebody more deserving? Yeah, that's the angle that, like, Dominic team could have, um, the past mm. champion could have received, like, because I guess round one, you've got all the options of players you want to highlight. Right. So this is opening night, prime time, just after Serena's match, and they go with Kyrgios versus Kokonakis. Right. Rather than any other, yeah, why, why give Kyrgios this billing? Yeah, um, I definitely get that argument. I mean, it's like, I, but it is something that people want to see, right? So it's like a little bit of a popcorn match. These two bros playing against each other. But it does, yeah, it feels incongruous, like, put up against Serena's match. And, like, there's a pretty good chance that Serena could lose in the first round. I mean, she's, she did not look, you know, like match fit when she lost to Raducanu last week. So... Um, although I wouldn't count, a, count her out either. I mean, she could show up and surprise all of us, and it would be a thrill ride for as long as she lasted. But yeah, um, against Kovinic. Yeah, don't forget Kovinic. That's kind of a thrill to like be in that position to get to play against, you know, the living legend retiring. Like I don't know, twenty. It must be twenty-two, twenty-three years since she debuted. It's been 24 years since Serena Williams debuted at the U.S. Open in 1998. Right, or possibly longer. I think she might have started playing professional tennis at 15 or 16. Yeah, I think maybe even 15. She was 16. Yeah, it's wild. Venus, too. Venus, I think, was out there even younger, maybe. But yeah, I don't know. It's uh, How do you feel about Serena looking back on her career and kind of the, the drama of this moment? Does it Does it move you or interest you or... Um, yeah, of course. I think her whole take on it is pretty interesting. Like how she doesn't want to retire. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was 
a pretty fascinating insight. I don't know, gave me a little bit of appreciation for her competitiveness, you know, to win that often for such a period of time to keep coming back, you know, her last slam, you know, winning while she was pregnant with her daughter. And she still wants to be out there. But yeah, she's just kind of conceding that she can't do it forever, I suppose. Mm. Yeah. So, I mean, that the drama of like, she believes that she's still got the mental strength to play and the desire to play, but the body is not going to cooperate. That'll be, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how she deals with that. With whichever round it is, this tournament, it's going to be her last tournament. So if that's round one or round two or whatever, like when, when the final games are being played and she can see that she's, she's going to be beaten, I imagine she'll be emotional. Yeah. And the crowd is going to be over the top for her, you know, like pulling for her in a way that maybe it never has, you know, there's always, you know, I, I feel like Serena has not always pulled that level of love that you would expect from somebody who is, you know, such an elite champion for so long. Mm -hmm. And whatever, whatever she got, I mean, she certainly did get love in, in the U S but, um, it's just going to be amplified, right? Cause everybody is going to have that excitement of possibly being there for Serena's, uh, last match. It might be Venus's last match as well. Last tournament. Right. Venus has been, is older and less competitive than Serena these days. Yeah, it's true. Ser Serena has shown some moments. Whereas every time Venus plays, I think she, she tends to be losing these days. Uh, she has Alison von Utvank in the first round, Venus. So I feel like that's, that's dangerous enough given her that's form. That's dangerous enough for Venus. Yeah. No, yeah. she could, she's probably, van Utvank is probably the, the favorite there, but we haven't had any announcement. Maybe she's just keeping quiet because, um, she doesn't want to overshadow Serena or maybe she's going to, um, retire at a different tournament yeah i kind of get the impression that she's the sort of person who would just not want all the pomp and circumstance and would kind of prefer to just go quietly you know i don't think she doesn't strike me as somebody who who like at all lives in the shadow of her sister you know like she kind of she you know she she beats her own path um and yeah it doesn't seem to like want that so as much as serena does the the love and the send-off so yeah i could i could totally imagine her just quietly retiring after this it's not like she wants to do the same thing next year and she's older so mm. but yeah they got a they got a wild card into doubles and i figured oh uh, that's great yeah i didn't know if you knew that as a as a doubles fan i figured you would appreciate the chance to kind of see them compete in that that particular tournament Wow, I wonder if they'll do any good because you know obviously they won a lot of tournaments back in the day when they were young. They were a formidable doubles duo. Yeah, exactly. I don't know how much they've been practicing or how it's gone uh, in recent years, but yeah, they're just so legendary as a doubles pair. It feels like there's maybe a little bit more of a chance for like a big surprise from them in the doubles. Like I could imagine them going on a run. Um, yeah where I, it's really hard to see Serena going on a run and like actually getting to the second week uh, by herself. And yeah, Venus almost certainly out in the first round, I think. Yeah. And um, what about Djokovic? Yeah, he's not going to play. Yep. No Djokovic. You know, I don't look at Twitter very often because I think it's, it's toxic. But um, I was peeking my head in there and it seemed like 
Well, first of all, Djokovic just became this like political tool, weirdly, like for the American right. They start like talking about like how unjust it is that like we're still imposing these policies on like the world's greatest tennis player ever. Like they just decided that like he's we're going to adopt him and use him for, you know, this kind of like bad faith argument about rules. I also saw Ben Rothenberg was like tweeting about how Djokovic, uh, Djokovic was basically being selfish by waiting until the last minute to withdraw and possibly costing somebody else their spot or throwing off the draw, um, like unbalancing it by leaving a hole. So, um, but he ended up pulling out before the draw was, was released. So somebody else could take his spot, you know, they, they would move all the seeds up and, um, you know, I mean, same as any withdrawal, like another player, like a lucky loser is going to get in. So yeah, he's comping a lot of heat for that, but I feel like he just had no choice, right? At the, after what happened in Australia, he's like, I'm not going to fight it. Why would I put myself through that hell? Like, if I can't get in, fine. I'm just going to wait for the next one. But why would you not just have the vaccine? I can't believe he's so sticking to his guns on this. It's costing him the thing that he cares about most. Yeah, it's interesting because it, well, that's, I guess that's part of it. It's that he shows that he cares more about his belief than he does about the, like a tennis record, like what he decides to put into his body. Now, certainly I think he should get the vaccine and that whatever he has said publicly about, you know, reasons not to get the vaccine just don't hold water for me. So it is frustrating because I like Djokovic and I think he has a really stupid opinion. But, you know, he's made his choice and I think he's had to make peace with it. And, you know, it, it didn't turn into the sideshow it could have if, like, he had tried to get, an, you know, an exception. And, you know, there's just too much bullshit around it. It's better to just sit it out, even though, you know, he's, mm. he's missing, a, missing a real chance to win it. I mean, it's pretty open on the men's side, I think. Yep, it's pretty open. And I, I think... Kyrgios is um is gonna do well. You think he has a, another shot here? Yeah, I mean, there's only so many guys at the top who seem to be in kind of regular form and fitness, and you know his draw is not you know it's not terrifying. I mean, he beat Medvedev recently. He'd have to get through Medvedev in the fourth round, which I don't think is going to be easy. But I also think it's much more possible than I would have thought a year ago or something. So. I think I think Medvedev will just be tougher in a five set match. Um, yeah, you know, like mentally, uh, he'll be able to hang longer. And you know, that's the thing with Curios. It's like any blip, any uh, any like veer off course emotionally, and it's you know, it can be over for him against the better players. Bautista Gu will be tough as well, but you've picked him to lose in the upset game, haven't you? Yeah, I suppose I have. Um, I mean, I think I just don't think Batista Agut's results recently have been as good consistently. You know, it wasn't that long ago he was a force at Wimbledon and you just wouldn't want to play him at all. But I can't recall seeing him in like the second week of a slam in a while. I feel like the top, you know, the top 20 guys can get him now. Yeah. So, Matt, you picked Soon Wu Kwan to make the quarterfinals. How co- why do you have this <laughs> level of confidence about Soon Wu Kwan? Okay, well, I had a look at his draw. I feel like he won a tournament. I, he won his first tournament sometime this year. Soon Wu Kwan won his first and only professional title at Nur Sultan in September 2021. And I liked him. I, I just, just, I've been drawn to him in the past. I saw him play it 
um, the Australian Open. Mm. Um, so it was it was more of a like a whim. It was a pick. It was, it was yeah. It was a bit of a whim. But well, who does he, who does he have to beat to get to the quarterfinals? Like what what's the uh, what's the chain of upsets? Well, I'm drowning in this sea of draw at the moment. I know, I, no, it's, it's so hard to I'm find reaching something. reaching out yeah. to him. Sun Wu, where are you? <laughs> uh, so he's got to play Vidasco in the first round, mm. who is a lucky loser. I think that's that's winnable for him. For sure. Vidasco might not be able to last five sets. He's old. Um then he would have to <laughs> beat Rublev in the second round. Oh, okay. Which admittedly is tough. Yeah, I think that that's going to be a, a tough one. But you know, I could I can visualize it. I can imagine it happening. I've seen Sun Quan play, and he's a pretty tough customer. So I'm not I'm not saying Rublev is unbeatable. Right, and then you would have to beat Shapovalov in the third round if Shapovalov even gets to the third round, which I think is is questionable. Right. Well, I've actually gone for Fusla over Shapovalov in the first round because um, Fusla played well in Winston-Salem. He made the semis or the final? Maybe the semis. Oh, no kidding. As a, I didn't know that. As about. a qualifier. Yeah, right. Yeah, I know he's Swiss and that's about it. I don't think I know a single other thing about Husla. Husla, yeah. He, um, he wears a bandana ah, and he's a lefty. Like- Oh, is he, is he at all like Roger Federer, but lefty? He does look a little Federer-esque. Yeah, he's huh. got like kind of curly locks and um, maybe a skinnier lefty version of Federer. I don't think uh-huh. he has a, I don't know if he has a one hit backhand though. Do you know how old he is? No. I'm I wonder he's young. Maybe perhaps they, they cloned Roger, you know, 20, 21, 22 years ago. You know, and something went wrong in the experiments. And now he's, you know, he's left-handed, and you know, he decided to go with the double, you know, double-handed backhand. He's actually twenty-six years old. Yeah, something like that. He was wearing like um some kind of <laughs> weird um brand. He was wearing a brand that I didn't recognize. Lots of stripes. Okay. So he caught my eye there. All right. And he's in form. I'm, I'm curious about him. Yeah, you have him in the list there. But back um, to Quan, he would have to then yeah. still to make the quarterfinals. He would still in round four have to beat Cam Nori. Mm. Oh right, I have Cam Nori going. I think to the semis. I think he has a draw that's manageable. I mean, he's got Rafa in there. I have I have TFO taking out Rafa. I didn't I didn't oh. actually bet on this one. It wasn't in my. Well, it's not really a bet. There's not nothing on it. You know, we haven't we haven't sweetened the pot yet. Um, but yeah, like I picked all these different upsets and then I crossed out the ones that I, I wasn't as sure about. Like I had TFO beating Rafa in the draw in the fourth round. I'm like, I just have this vision of Francis, like having the, the biggest win of his career at the U S open. Like, I feel like he plays really well. The crowd loves him. It would be epic. I think Rafa's compromised right now, but of course, every time I've ever thought that before, he's been totally fine and ends up like crushing everybody. So I'm probably wrong. But um, yeah, I don't know. I just had had a little bit of a vision there of uh, Foe getting his moment, but then falling to Nori in the next round. You've also gone for Isna over Holger Rune. <laughs> Is that personal? <laughs> I do. You know, it's really funny that you say that. 
it probably is tinged by the fact that Holger Rune like <laughs> created a sock puppet account to uh, <laughs> to troll our Instagram. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't seem like the sort of thing a professional tennis player would do, and yet I feel fairly convinced that that's actually what happened. So yeah, so I see him in the draw, and I just think. I don't believe in you yet. You gotta, you gotta prove something to me. I want to see something new from Runa. I, I, if he beat Isner, I'd probably be pretty psyched about it. To be honest, I'm, you know, I'm good on another Isner run. I think, uh, I think I've seen that 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 particular game before. But yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Runa out in the second. I don't think his results have been good lately either. And Brandon Nakashima, another American who's been playing well. Right. Am I am I overpicking Americans? You got three in the men. I've got Bernardo Pera. Cool. Um, Nakashima, Isner, and Fritz. Yeah, so that's four total. Um, so maybe, yeah, maybe that's my bias. That's that's the uh, that's what's going to work against me in the end. Um, yeah, Nakashima. I mean, he had a good. Didn't he have a good Wimbledon round of sixteen or something? Mm-hmm. I feel like Dimit- Dimitrov isn't super trustworthy right now. So. Um, you know, again, I, maybe that's one I would just like to see, but I haven't like gotten excited about Brandon Nakashima particularly. I just think it would be an interesting result. Yeah, I didn't put the like riskiest, uh, you know, upsets in my list. You know, I'm trying to pick ones that I think are plausible, like Fritz beating Rude. I mean, that's not, you know, is that a huge upset? Like they're, you know, Rude's a top five guy. Fritz is a top 10 guy basically at the moment. And, you know. I have a I have reasonably good faith that they will both get there and that uh, Taylor Fritz is going to have have a big breakthrough. I'm totally just a, a U.S. homer. I don't know. Do you have any Australians in your in your list? No, I I tried to curb that tendency. Mm, yeah, it's good to be uh, self aware in that way. You have a you have Naomi Osaka winning her first round match. I see over Danielle Collins. Yeah, I mean that's probably my. Um anti-Collins tendency coming through. Yeah, I had a feeling that it might be might be a little personally tinged for you as well. Um, but I mean, it is Naomi Osaka. It's, you know, I also haven't seen anything all that amazing from Collins since she made that Australian Open final. So I, I could see that happening. I don't think that's such a big reach. Yeah, it's only going to get me one point, though, because it's round one. Right. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't pick a ton of first rounders for that reason. I felt like second rounders were kind of where the money's made. Um, also, I've realized that like when I went through the men, I just I couldn't talk myself into like I think I had maybe one upset in the first round total, because um, I just believe in all the seeds. But on the women's side, I think there's just so much more openness. Um, pretty pretty consistently in the last few years. So it's like, oh yeah, I could definitely see. You know, unseated players going on runs. Um, you know, some some big names going out early. Like I think that's all on the in the cards for uh, for the women's side. We've both selected Ostapenko to lose. You in round mm. one, and me in round two. Right. Who's she playing in round one? I have her losing to um, Shinwen Zhang, who you know is also like another one of these young players, nineteen Chinese. Uh, has had has had a good run recently, so yeah, I think this is also me just like not really believing in Ostapenko, not thinking like you know thinking that she could implode at any moment, and an up and comer could definitely beat her. So you know it, it'd be hard to pick Ostapenko to go all the way. Yeah, yeah. 
So who else you got? You got Evans over Chilich. That feels like a pretty, pretty safe third rounder. I like that pick. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm confident that I'm going to get three points out of that. Yeah. One thing that might be a bit um, crazy is Nuno Borges over Bachelashvili in round two because, but the reason mm. I picked Borges is I don't know anything about him, but I've seen his name around and he came through qualifying. So I think yeah. if you come through qualifying, you've got some, you've got a good feel for the courts and you've got three matches under, under your belt. Yeah, he's. I uh, see. I have. I also thought that Basilashvili could be beaten in round two, but I have him being beaten by Ben Shelton, who is. Oh yes, Borges's opponent, and uh, is another interesting, you know, young American guy who won a couple of matches. He beat Casper Ruud pretty pretty good on the hard, mm. hard court in Cincinnati, which is interesting. So yes, I noticed he was highlighted at the like exhibition matches. Mm, yeah right yeah they have an article about him um like he's just straight out of college he's like the ncaa champion and you know just steps onto the pro tour and, and like starts winning matches john isner said like you know played him and beat him and said you know like oh it's a good thing i, I played this guy now because i'm not going to be beating him soon so that's you know kind of the i mean it's john isner so it's not like you know that's federer saying that Fed or Shelton, I, you know, I think I'd probably still pick Fed, even though I haven't seen him in a year. Mm. Oh, Fed, we miss you. I miss you. I don't know if I, I should speak for everybody. <laughs> yeah. Familiar. Yeah. Just uh, kind of want to break in the, in the Rafa Novak show. I think, I think we have a good chance of getting that uh, this year with only Rafa playing. Or Rafa will win again. Who do you think's winning the men's? Um, I don't know, David. It's, it's a difficult question. It could, look, I really, I honestly do think it could be curious. It could be curious. Yeah, it could be curious. How do you, how do you feel about him personally right now? Like I was pretty done with him, you know, after like what happened at Wimbledon and just uh you know the, the way he's treating other people and just kind of got to a place where i was like not really excited about rooting for him anymore but he is still an interesting player right he's an interesting player to watch yeah i agree he's he's very annoying i don't like him um i don't like aspects of his personality he does treat people he's like he, he, he can be really mean and self-centered narcissistic but yeah i'm just <laughs> i'm always there for him though somehow yeah it's like it's that kind of seductive charisma where you're like i know I, I should know better or like i should have some you know moral standard that i apply to these professional athletes and then i decide like nah it's kind of more interesting if he you know runs up against these like top guys later in the in the draw it just makes the tournament better so yeah that's the yeah that's the angle i'm not like i'm not advocating for him in any other way except for my own enjoyment of seeing the drama unfold when when he plays that's it do you think Sitsipas has a chance i actually picked against him in the fourth i i had berrettini beating him in the fourth round which is i think he has kind of a tough draw he also might have to play cressy who's always tricky 
I think like Steph had this big breakthrough win against Medvedev in the semifinals at Cincinnati uh, a week ago, which was really exciting to see. It never beaten him on an outdoor hard court. 0-5, I think. So it was really encouraging. And then he lost in the final to Borna Chorich, who was like absolutely a huge story unto himself because this guy was basically off the tour for over a year and, you know, just suddenly reemerged and had never won a Masters before. So it was a huge deal for him. But yeah, Steph didn't didn't win in the final. And it just still feels like in a slam, it's hard to see him holding it together throughout, you know, and not not running up against some adversity and struggling to get through it. So yeah, so I don't feel like it's going to happen this time for for my guy. And Nadal, can he win? I mean, I would never say he can't because he's just he's fucking Rafa and he just does this over and over again. And it's, you know, it's why I love to hate him. But, uh, so yeah, of course he can win, but like, I, I mean, I, I even, I was going into it earlier. Like I picked, uh, TFO to, to beat Rafa and I'm not willing to bet on it. <laughs> like I certainly don't, I don't really deep down believe that that's going to happen because of tennis results. Like I just kind of feel like, well, you know, maybe Rafa's going to be a little hurt, you know, not not top shape and Fo will just have this magic moment. But I think Rafa has a really good chance for sure. Well, in the in the women, who do you think is going to win? I have Halep winning, which is also me being sentimental, I think, although she did just win in Canada. So she's she's been picking up steam. I think she's got really good form. There aren't too many women on the tour, especially ones who have won slams, who are like kind of showing that kind of form. Um, I think the other women who are showing, you know, who are winning a lot seem to be a little bit out of nowhere, you know, like um, Caroline Garcia winning Cincinnati. Oh, yeah, I liked you know. that. Yeah, I like that too. And she beat Kvitova of all people. So it just feels like the, you know, there's this, this kind of randomness on the women's side that's always at play. But if Halep is kind of the one player who's like been there, um, who's in form, I think, I, th- I don't know. I think it could happen for her this year. That's my feeling. That's, that's a good pick. I like that. Um, I think on Shabur's, you know, was great at Wimbledon, but I think grass favors her a little more. Um, she'll struggle on a hard court in yeah, the later rounds. So. And um, last year's champion, Raducanu, I think she's made slow and steady progress, but I didn't see her repeating that run at all. Yeah, I I have Cornet beating her in the first round. I think that's like the absolute worst kind of matchup for her because she's just, she's struggling to find that rhythm and that form that she had. And yeah, she's had better results for sure. She definitely has looked more competitive uh, coming up to the US Open. But Cornet is real tough and is, has been good lately. Um, love Kone. Yeah. So I think that's going to be tough for her. And also Layla Fernandez is another, you know, the two finalists in that surprise, amazing, incredible U S open run that we had last year are, um, both not really looking that strong. Like it's hard, really hard to see them kind of repeating that success. Absolutely. Sabalenka probably yeah. a threat still though. I think she's still a threat for a while. I think she just always implodes at some point. So I never really like trust it. I never believe it. So I have like Rabakana beating her in the third, which is tight, which is would be a pretty tough draw considering Rabakana just won Wimbledon. So she's shown that steeliness. She's been able to get all the way through the, you know, the finish line and Sabalenka just seems to 
be like really mass masterful at self-sabotage. Oh my god, I totally forgot that Rebecca won Wimbledon. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's easy to you know to forget. Yeah, she beat Anstubur too. We never we never wrapped up Wimbledon, so we never talked about it. Yeah, we never did. Here we go, wrapping it up. Here we go. We we have three minutes and thirty six seconds. What happened at Wimbledon? Rebecca won. Uh, Djokovic won. He beat Kyrgios. That was weird. That was weird. And Nick Kyrgios wore a red hat <laughs> in the presentation ceremony. Yeah, it's kind of the short version, the very short version of what happened at Wimbledon. When he, yeah, when he was receiving the the dish, right? Or does the mm-hmm. the winner receive a dish? At, no, the I think in women's uh, the women's final, the, the winner gets a big dish and the a big runner-up gets dish. a small dish. Yeah. Yeah. And the man receives a plate if he's the runner-up. Right, but the winner gets an actual trophy. So the only trophy. actual trophy they give out is to the gentleman's uh, victor. That was Novak again. He ate the grass, which I just find to be like the most hilarious victory celebration uh, to this day. And I think it's underappreciated, actually. You know, just kind of the like the grandiosity of the gesture you know like doing this really simple thing like small thing and you know as as a way of like claiming the court like you know marking mm. his excellence um i don't know it's like obviously something he thought about way too much and um decided to do beforehand but i kind of appreciate that about novak so no novak we'll see what happens i don't know the u.s open feels like it can just produce surprises maybe that's just because that's what happened last year and this one will be kind of like a you know by the numbers like let that let the simulation run and, uh, only expected things will happen but i guess we'll have to have to wait and see leolia jean jean qualified nice i saw her name in the draw i didn't know she was still in that position of having to qualify but i guess that makes sense so good for her yeah she's got to play coco golf yeah um Paula Bedosa is another potential champion, I reckon. Yeah, she's who I have uh, as runner-up, actually. I have her going to the final. Yeah, okay. I think she's, she's got a shot. I just, I think it might be time. She's been up and down a little bit, but she's got a good, a favorable enough draw. I could see it happening. And Annette Contivate is the number two seed? Yeah, isn't that wild? Like, all of her results were right at the end of the season last year, so she just, like, rocketed up and uh, hasn't gone down yet. It's it's coming soon. But, yeah, it's just, I could see Williams beating her in the second round, and that, you know, would not totally shock me. That would that would be pretty fun. That would be huge. And then she could have to play Martina Trevisan, who I think we both like oh, yeah. in round definitely, three. Definitely like her. I see Tom Janovich there. It's good to talk to you, Matt. You too, Dave. Um, let's talk again during the tournament. Yeah, that would be great. All right. Have a good have a good day. Bye. You too. Bye. The Tennis Tragic thanks you for listening. All correspondence and feedback can be directed to tennistragicpod at gmail.com. And our Instagram is at tennistragicpod.